There's no greater adventure in life than walking with God, and there's no better way to walk with Him than by exploring and responding to His Word, the Bible. The Walking with God podcast is dedicated to bringing God's Word to life in your life. It features the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton, pastor, Bible scholar, and expert guide of the Holy Lands of the Bible. He has lived, studied, and explored every inch of the promised lands of Israel and of Jordan. And for the past 31 years, he has served as lead pastor of Meadows Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. I'm your host, Ron Sear, inviting you to prepare your heart to walk with God. Fred McFeely Rogers was the creator and producer of the world-famous children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It ran from 1968 to 2001. He was a devout disciple of Jesus Christ and a Presbyterian minister. The television was Mr. Rogers' pulpit, and children were his congregation. His wholesome and biblically inspired approach helped children deal with their struggles, recognize their worth, and find hope for the future. His kind and soothing manner, as well as his reassuring message, helped to imprint millions of children with the innate God-given value of the human soul. One of Mr. Rogers' favorite messages is captured in his original song, It's You I Like. Listen as our own Angela Groves sings this original song. Listen for the biblical ethos of the lyrics. Mr. Rogers never looked or sounded that good, I assure you. Thank you, Angela. The truth of the matter is, though, folks, sin has sabotaged our self-worth. We either erroneously comp uh, compensate by shifting our values to external factors, efforts, and achievements, 
Or on the other hand, we just languish in the darkness of doubt, insecurity, guilt, or even self-loathing. There is a better way. Jesus opened a path to redemption, deliverance, and wholeness. One of the most profound aspects of our new life in Jesus Christ is that we are accepted. We are valued. We are seen for who we truly are, and we are embraced by God. The life of faith and surrender to Christ allows us to lay down our pretenses, our facades, and experience the divine acceptance of God. This miracle of acceptance does not mean that God is unconcerned with our hearts, our attitudes, our behavior, or our way of life. However, it does mean that He values us and loves us not because of what we do or how we look or even how we behave. Rather, His divine love and acceptance emanate from His own divine nature. We do not inspire God's love, nor can we diminish it. Paul testifies to the astounding love of God that is not earned, but freely given in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. God loved me before I was saved, before I repented, before I read the Bible through, before I aspired to live a godly life, before I preached my first sermon, before I pastored my first church, before I led someone to Christ. In fact, God loved me before I was even born. And he loves you the same way. Sadly, we still often struggle, don't we, with this concept and experience of divine acceptance. And when we stray from the pure joy of God's acceptance, we muddle up the great commandment to accept one another. When is the last time the feeling welled up inside of you God likes me. <laughs> he knows me. He sees me. He accepts me. He even delights in me. When I relish the true acceptance of God through faith in Christ, it doesn't leave me with a sense of dangerous entitlement to do whatever I please without consequence. On the contrary, divine acceptance frees me, inspires me, empowers me to grow, to mature, to develop, to become more like my Father in my desires, my attitudes, my behavior, and my life. In our new series, Stronger Together, exploring the power of one another, 
we've seen that God's marvelous design for the church is for us to find supernatural power in our togetherness. We've explored the power of belonging to one another, the power of serving one another, the power of forgiving one another, the power of submitting to one another, and last week, the power of encouraging one another. This morning, I present you a sixth reason we are stronger together as the church, the body of Christ, as we explore the power of accepting one another. Perhaps one of the greatest lessons in need of our culture today to embrace and to learn. So take your Bible this morning and open with me to the book of Romans. Let's read together this marvelous verse of Scripture from God's Word. Would you stand together with me and uh, let's use the screens if you have different translations so we can read in unison this translation from the New International Version, a single verse but a powerful one, Romans chapter 15 Verse 7, let's declare the Word of God together. Are you ready? Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's a tall order, isn't it? Anytime we're to measure something that we're commanded to do by how well Christ did it, and that's what this verse says. Thank you. You may be seated. We are stronger together as we practice the discipline of divine acceptance. Paul helps us understand and develop this discipline, and make no mistake about it, acceptance is a discipline. It's just, uh, it is a commandment, but it's something that you have to learn. It's something you have to practice. It's a choice that you make. And the more often you do it, the better you get at it. And this verse really shows the way. In this verse, we're, we find three parts uh, from the biblical text that pave the way to divine acceptance. Notice, first of all, there is a prerequisite experience just as Christ accepted you. If you don't know that, if you haven't experienced that, you certainly can't fulfill this commandment to the degree that it's given. There's a prerequisite experience that we have been accepted by God. And we've, we've experienced that. We've embraced that. The second part of the verse is that there's a personal expectation. Accept one another then. That is, it's based upon this prerequisite experience. If you've been accepted by God through Christ then it is incumbent upon you. There's a personal responsibility that lies on your shoulders that you are to accept one another. And then the third part of the verse is a powerful exaltation in order to bring praise to God. That's why we're to do this. And if we do it right, if we do it biblically, if we do it well, it glorifies God. When we accept one another just as God accepted us, just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. 
So let's explore the first step of divine acceptance, this prerequisite experience, just as Christ accepted you. This is the heart of the message, and we must go back to remember, especially those of us who have been in the faith family for a number of years, and we may have forgotten how we stepped into this family. None of us were born into the family. We were all adopted. We were outsiders. We were excluded from hope and forgiveness and eternal life. And nothing we did could tip the scales. We didn't garner enough righteousness. We didn't go to church enough times. We didn't put enough money in the offering plate. We didn't do enough good deeds that finally God said one day, okay, that balances out. Now I'll accept you. No, we didn't earn our way into the family. We were received. We were welcomed. We were accepted. The Greek word is proslambano. And it's beautifully illustrated in, in the story of Acts chapter 28, verse 2, this picture of acceptance. You remember Paul was uh, on a ship that came through a terrible storm. <laughs> I mean, it would have made this last week in Texas look like nothing had even happened. This was a terrible storm uh, that carried on for two weeks. In fact, everybody on board had given up hope of surviving uh, in fact, the, the, the ship wrecked, and they had to swim to shore to safety. It was the island of Malta. But Acts chapter 28, verse 2 says, not only was this, this terrible storm, it was cold, it was raining, they were soaking wet, they were in danger of uh, uh, hypothermia, and the, the islanders, the Maltese, welcomed them, proslambanoed them. They accepted them. They didn't say, okay, how much money did you make it to shore on? Would you like to buy some firewood? <laughs> no, they just accepted them, drenched and penniless as they were. They built a fire for them. They gave them nourishment. And that's really the beautiful picture of what this means, what the islanders did for Paul and his companions is what God does for us. We, we're drowning in a sea of sin, and God welcomes us. He builds a fire by his love and through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, our church practiced proslambano this past week as we opened up our facility to be a warming station uh, for our community. I want to thank those who served as hosts and drivers. I want to thank those who opened up their homes for families that had no power. And we were able to welcome the community. And when we still had room after welcoming and inviting anyone, we did a According to Luke 14, 23, we just got in the car and went out to the roads and the country lanes and we looked for homeless people and we found uh, four of them that we brought out of the cold. They didn't know about us. They didn't come to us. We went to them and we gathered them up and we brought them here and fed them and warmed them and gave them 
warmer clothes. We were practicing this discipline of accepting one another. You see, acceptance is a learned skill. You're not born with it. You have to, you have to experience it. That's why it's the prerequisite to this commandment. Just as Christ accepted you. So if you haven't experienced that kind of acceptance, that kind of unmerited favor, it's, it's nearly impossible for you to extend it to others. We learn acceptance or how uh, a, a, a compromised version we experience uh, from a, a family, for instance. Your family taught you through either nurturing you or neglecting you. They taught you about acceptance. Maybe it was a bad lesson. Maybe it was the, the anti-acceptance that you felt, I'm never good enough. I don't measure up. I don't feel accepted by my family. But by being nurtured or neglected, we, we develop our concept of what acceptance is. We learn it from our peers as we grow up. Are we included or are we excluded? Those are lessons of acceptance. We learn it from society. Are we praised or are we punished? And we certainly learn it in how we relate to God as well. Is it a merit-based relationship or is it a grace-based relationship? Every one of us have learned and developed our concept of acceptance because it's a learned experience. But what this verse does, it doesn't take us back to our family or our peers or our society. It takes us to the Word of God. And it says that we are to accept others as Christ accepted us. So the most important part of this message is to make sure you understand how Christ accepts us. Let's think about that together. First of all, Christ accepts us sacrificially. When you practice divine acceptance, there is a price to be paid. And Jesus certainly paid that price to be able to accept us, didn't he? Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a pretty expensive price that was paid for us to, to enjoy the divine acceptance of God. We must understand that Christ paid a horrible price for that. He gave his life. Secondly, when you think about Christ's acceptance, he accepts us graciously. <laughs> it's one thing to be willing to sacrifice. Uh, have you, has, has anyone ever uh, gone the extra mile for you, but they made sure you knew what it cost them for them to do that? <laughs> that you kind of are left feeling like, well, wow, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you did that. You know, it, that's not how Christ accepts us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's gracious acceptance. 
it doesn't leave us beaten down. I, I, I'm, I feel so ashamed because of what was done for me. No, Jesus accepts us graciously. Our poverty is exchanged for his wealth because he exchanged his wealth for our poverty. But notice something else about Christ's acceptance. He accepts us perpetually. That is, it never ceases. He goes on accepting us. He doesn't just accept us when we were saved. Then from that point on, it is to be a merit-based relationship. No, listen to Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Isn't that amazing? By one sacrifice, Jesus gave his life so that he could make you perfect. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, nobody's perfect. Man, they ought to read their Bible. Jesus died for me so that I, in the eyes of God, would be perfect forever, perpetually. Am I sinless? No, far from it. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, as soon as I place my trust in him, Jesus accepts me, and he accepts me perpetually. Not one time, and then I messed up. All right, Scott, here's number two. All right, here's number 37. You're getting close. You're, you're on my last nerve, Scott. No. No, by one sacrifice... He has made me perfect forever. But notice the other part of that verse. For those who are being made holy. That is a progressive verb. That's continuing. <laughs> I've grown in, in my consecration over uh, the years of walking with God. But it all grows out of the sacrifice that Christ made for me. So if we're to accept others as Christ accepts us, we must accept them sacrificially, graciously, perpetually. Here's another thing that Christ does. He accepts me completely. Hebrews 7, 25, Therefore Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus doesn't say, I, you know, I just major in the religious stuff. I don't, I don't really get into the physical. I don't, really, I don't really dabble in the emotional. Financial is really not my bag. Just, just the religious, no. No, he saves me completely. He accepts me completely. Every area of my life, he gathers in his grace. Another thing about Christ's acceptance, he accepts me miraculously. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. How does that happen? How do I become brand new? I can't make myself new. As Nicodemus said, I can't crawl back into my mother's womb and be born. How does that happen? It's a miracle. The old is gone, and the new has come. That's how Christ accepts you, and that's how you are to accept others. And then another thought about Christ's acceptance, he accepts us redemptively. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All that happens in my life, God, some way, somehow, by his marvelous grace, he works together for good. He's redeeming my life. He redeems my struggles. He redeems my scars. He redeems my sins. And that's how Jesus accepts me. Unless we fully embrace the acceptance of God in Jesus Christ, we'll never be able to truly accept one another. So this morning I'm calling you to go back or perhaps to take the first step of divine acceptance. Maybe this is all new to you that you think, how could it be that a holy God could accept me like this? That God could actually respond to me and accept me sacrificially and graciously and perpetually and completely and miraculously and redemptively. But it's true. That's the wonder of the love of God. And that's the incredible grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, the reason we have such difficulty accepting one another is because we are not truly immersed in the experience of the divine acceptance of God through Jesus Christ. We, we come to believe that it really is a meritorious relationship, that it's really because we're in church because we are reading our Bible, because we are throwing some coins in the offering plate. And that really is why we are accepted by God. How far below the experience of divine acceptance that is. No wonder we struggle with one another, accepting those that are different those that rub us the wrong way, those that come from a different background, because we stray from this divine experience as Christ has accepted us. So let me ask you this morning, are you embracing or frustrating the acceptance of God in your life? If you have a problem there <laughs> you're going to have a relational problem here you can't accept others better than you've been accepted by God but the truth of the matter is that God's acceptance of you may be far deeper and richer than you're allowing yourself to enjoy maybe because of teaching that you grew up in or maybe because you're putting more weight in how you experienced acceptance or the lack of it in your family, and you're projecting that to God, that He's that way too. You need to go back to the Word of God and to see this multifaceted, miraculous acceptance that is ours in Jesus Christ. But once we have absorbed that acceptance 
once we have experienced that acceptance, once we have truly gloried in that acceptance, then the next step is this personal requirement. It is an expectation that we would do for others in the same way that Christ has done for us. Remember, Paul said, accept one another then. <laughs> He's linking it to that prerequisite experience. Just as Christ accepted you, accept one another then. Acceptance received turns into acceptance extended to others. How are we to accept others? We're to accept them just as Christ accepted us. But think about this. We're commanded in Scripture that we're to accept one another freely. Matthew 10, 8, do you remember Jesus told the disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Just as you have enjoyed this divine acceptance, then practice it. Be disciplined with others to show them acceptance the way God has shown you. Are you offering that acceptance of others freely? We're to accept one another not only freely, but undiscriminatingly. Listen to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My brothers and sisters... Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, sir, but say to the poor man, I want you to stand over there. Uh, don't contaminate our seats <laughs> or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you really keep the royal law, verse 8, found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you're, you sin and are convicted by the law. As lawbreakers do you practice acceptance biasly are there those that you that you accept freely and others that you shun because of your biases because they're different from you they look different from you they talk differently than you they live differently than you are are you allowing prejudices to filter your acceptance of others, that's a sin against God. We also are to accept one another maturely. Romans 14, 1 and 4 says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for God is able to make him stand. We're to accept one, uh, one another by taking 
the responsibility that I am mature in the faith and so I will accommodate others whose convictions are different from mine instead of trying to win the argument instead of trying to convert them to my way of thinking as the one more mature I will defer to a weaker brother or sister and their convictions that might constrain my life and how I live even though my conscience doesn't restrict me but I will accept that person and when I'm with them I'll honor their convictions you able to do that that's accepting one another maturely and then accepting one another intentionally do you remember in Philemon uh, verse 17 you remember uh, Paul writes to uh, Philemon about his runaway slave Onesimus and he said to uh, Philemon so if you consider me a partner welcome him this runaway slave that defrauded you and stole from you welcome him proslambano him as you would welcome me why what Philemon didn't feel about Onesimus the way he felt about Paul Paul probably had led Onesimus to Christ he loved Paul he respected Paul he honored Paul he longed for Paul to come visit and stay with him he probably contributed financially to Paul's ministry but Onesimus why that lying cheating stealing slave Paul said I want you to proslambano Onesimus just as you proslambano me <laughs> you see that that's intentional I know most of us probably say, I, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not biased. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I hate these kind of people. I, I hate these, these type of people. I'm looking to discriminate against this type of people. But how many of us are intentional to go out of our way to those who are unlike us in our ethnicity or our economic status or our political persuasion or our religious beliefs to accept them with the love and grace of God not many that I know do that see this personal expectation is it you can't just damn it up and say oh I I want God's divine acceptance and that's it's just about me and God it's just between me and God. No. We're to accept one another then just as Christ accepted us. How accepting are you of others? Or maybe this is a better question. How many friends, if I gave you a sheet of paper today, could you fill that paper out with friends that you have that are of a different ethnicity than you. Could, you. could you fill up that page with friends like that? Could you fill up that page with friends who are of a different economic status than you? Could you fill up that page with names of friends who are of a different political party than you are? Could you fill up that page with friends 
who are of a different religion than you. You say, oh, I'm not, I'm not prejudiced against Democrats. I'm not prejudiced against Muslims. I'm not prejudiced against African Americans. How many friends do you have that are like that? that? That's where your heart is. You see, this is about being intentional. Not that, well, if a Democrat came to me, I'd, ex I'd accept him, I'd get. No. No, I'd go out of my way. Why? Because I'm not a Democrat. I go out of my way with African Americans. Why? Because I'm not one. I go out of my way with homeless people. Why? Because I'm not one. It's intentional. Why do I do that? Because I want to be a Democrat? Because I want to be homeless? Because I want to be an African American? No, because I want to be like Jesus. That's why I do it. It's incumbent upon me. It's an expectation that God has of me because that's what I was. In his eyes, in this illustration, I was the Democrat. I was the African American. I was the homeless. That was me. And he accepted me. And based on that acceptance, I'm driven. I'm intentional. I'm sacrificial. Why? Because that's who I was. And the better I do that, you know the irony of it? The better I do that, the deeper is my gratitude for what Christ has done for me. The richer is my intimacy to enjoy the unmerited acceptance that is mine in Jesus Christ. I'm the winner in it all. And then look at this last part of the verse. The final part of the truth text of acceptance is a powerful exaltation. If we do this, this is the most powerful way we can bring glory and honor to God. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. And why did he do it? You may have heard preachers tell you all your life, Jesus did that because he loves you. <laughs> That's not why he went to the cross. The Bible doesn't say, for Jesus so loved the world that he gave himself on the cross. That's not what the Bible teaches. You know why Jesus went to the cross for you? That, that old gospel song, you know, when he was on the cross, I was on his... No, you weren't on his mind. The Father was on his mind. He did what he did in order to bring praise to God. That's why he did it. And that's why you're to accept one another. In order to bring praise to to God, to demonstrate to a lost and merit-driven society. No, in Jesus Christ, acceptance is unconditional. It's unmerited. It's the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Wow.
The driving motivation for accepting others is to glorify God. And what a wonderful sentiment to live our lives by. When is the last time you woke up in the morning and you, the thought came to you, God, whatever happens today, may I bring you glory today. I exist today to bring you honor. But for too many of us as Christians, it's self-serving. God, get my power on. God, get the stock, the, the shelves at the grocery store stocked. <laughs> great disciples are moved by one great passion. To bring glory to God. You show me somebody who walks with God. And I'll show you somebody whose, whose inner motivation consistently is, I want to honor God. I want to glorify God. I want God to be praised. That's what Paul is saying here. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. How does my acceptance of others glorify God? Well, it, it, it glorifies God by revealing His character. You remember the story of the, the woman caught in adultery that was dragged before Jesus, and they said, huh, Moses said to stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus knew the law, and He said, Let the one without sin cast the first stone. And you remember how they all left? And then He asked the woman, Woman, where are where are your accusers? And she said, there's no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now, did he condone her actions? No. Did he say, well, let's just jettison sexual purity and marital morality for the sake of... No, he didn't condone her, but he didn't condemn her. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and, and leave your life of sin. What was he doing? He was displaying the character of his father. When we accept others, not only does it reveal God's character, it rewards God's sacrifice. When you accept others, what you're really doing is heaping honor on Jesus and upon the Father who gave His Son on the cross. Why did He do that? So that He could accept us. That's why He gave His Son. And we glorify God by accepting one another because it honors His sacrifice that He gave His Son for us. And it renews our perspective. You can't accept others without renewing your commitment to humility. Micah 6, he's shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love good weather. No, to love mercy. Love mercy and to walk Humbly. There's no other way to walk with God. You can't walk with God unless you're humble. 
And when we accept one another, it renews our commitment to a life of humility. So my challenge to you this morning is, if you've never known God's acceptance, I want you to receive it today to say, Lord, I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve salvation, but I need it. I want it, and I ask you to save me. Would you accept me today because of what Jesus did for me? And then once you accept that, to understand it is incumbent upon you to accept others, others that are different from you, others that rub you the wrong way, others that don't understand your positions. That's your job. But if you'll do it, if you'll accept others, it'll deepen your gratitude to God, it'll enrich your intimacy with God, and it will bring glory to God as we accept one another. Amen? Well, I want to leave you with this benediction blessing. Would you stand together with me? And if you'd like to receive this blessing, just hold your hands out, palms up to the Lord. Lord, I'm receiving this blessing from you. May you know the joy of God's gracious acceptance in Christ. May you feel the thrill of God's delight in you. May you see through the fallacy of merit-based affection. May you learn to master the discipline of accepting others. And may your daily goal ever be to honor and glorify God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walking with God, featuring the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton. If you love Walking with God and want to help others do the same, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with a friend. We would love to hear from you and pray for any concerns you may have. You can reach us at walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. That's walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. And be sure to request a free copy of Dr. Fenton's booklet, The Sacred Journey, Exploring the Stories, Sights, and Saints of the Biblical Promised Land. Have a great week walking with God. And be sure to stay in God's Word so God's Word can stay in you.